Hi everyone, welcome to Pete's podcast. Today we're talk, going to talk about um, time period eating versus hunger and um, temperature-based eating versus um, yeah, temperature-based eating. <laughs> so what's happened a lot with um, the modern diet is we've got into a situation where we believe we need to eat three meals a day. Now, why do we eat three meals a day? Well, uh, as a child, I look at children a lot and I understand a lot of um, my uh, eating processes are now based around what children do. Uh, when I was a kid, I got told to eat uh, three meals a day because I was supposed to eat three meals a day. I was never explained, nobody explained it to me why I needed to eat three meals a day. So I didn't understand it, but I just did it. I wasn't happy about it and I found that um, a lot of the times I couldn't eat the food because I wasn't that hungry and when I was got told to eat. So uh, I grew up in the bush and I, uh, in the Royal National Park in Sydney and I, a lot of the times I'd walk in the bush for 30 or 40 kilometres with no shoes on, no water bottle and I wouldn't eat the entire day and I, if I did uh, you know, get hungry I'd maybe catch a couple of yabbies or whatever and um, eat those but 90% of the time I never ate anything the whole day and I'd walk in being active for you know, a good eight to ten hours and getting back at the end of the day and you know just on dusk when the, um, the sun's setting and you, you eat dinner and you wouldn't eat. So I wasn't around adults to tell me when to eat and what to do as regards to food. Uh, we didn't have water bottles in the 70s so I'd also not have any water. I had to find water out in the bush and uh, the dogs would find it or I'd find it. It was usually down the bottom of the, the valleys where the, the rivers were which is a kind of common sense kind of aspect. But again, it was the same old thing. I, I didn't eat, I wasn't concerned, I was doing things, I was just moving around, I was active and I was occupied, so I didn't think about food. Uh, in the early 1900s, uh, we didn't really have any three meal myth, as I call it. Uh, the three meal myth was introduced in the early, uh, early to mid, uh, probably around about 1915, 1920, by food companies. Food companies got together, they weren't selling enough food because everybody was out in the farms and growing their own food and uh, basically uh, being self-dependent um, without much interference from large food companies. So uh, over a period of time, people were um, educated to believe they needed breakfast, they were city workers, and uh, the television and the radio started to promote, or sorry, much started, so, sorry the uh, radio started to promote the three meal myth as well. So these food companies started to promote breakfast, you know, you need a most important meal of the day. And so what happened is people started to believe through marketing that they needed to eat a meal in the morning. Uh, when the, uh, the farmers were around in the early part of the century, they didn't really have access to food in the morning because they're out doing farming and a lot of people get up early to do the tend to their crops and, um, you know, get up early to get to work. And they, if you look at the vision of the early 1900s and up to about 1940 and 1950, try and find any large or overweight or bloated people in any of the footage, you can't find them. I've searched far and wide to find people who are overweight in any of the vision, uh, the videos of the old film of those times. It's Everybody's very, very straight looking, tall, elegant, they um, had no problems with movement, they were dodging cars and there was no traffic lights and no pedestrian crossings in those days. Everybody had to cross the road and get, a, get around as easily as they can by negotiation of observational uh, aspects. So they had to have the good um, peripheral vision, they were alert, they were very uh, fast, the kids were all playing in the traffic and there didn't seem to be any problems with any of the um, basic uh, functions of humans. So what happened after a period of time is that uh, 
the cities started to implement to everybody in the country how to eat. And we had this three meal myth appear. Now, uh, versus three meals a day versus hunger is, a, is something to look at because if you look at children, they'll automatically not want to eat three meals a day because they understand their bodies far more than adults because they haven't been tuned in or programmed to believe in three meals. They just want to eat when they're hungry. So when you get these kids that sat down at the table and they say, you're not going to leave the table till you finish your food, but I'm not hungry. So you're going to finish your food, you're not leaving the table till you finish your food. And the kid will sit there and play with the food and eat a couple of tablespoons and then, or spoons and then get up and be dope and slow because they've overfed their body and before that they're hyper and they're running around doing a lot of activity and um, then forced to eat and then after they've eaten, when they don't want to eat, they get dope and slow. So um, <clears throat> the big thing to look at is what happens when you eat when you're not hungry. So I'm going to let you think in a couple of seconds how long it takes for one meal to be completely removed from your body on average. This is from the Mayo Clinic, uh, which I um, found a long time ago. And it's uh, I, I do fasting regularly. I've done 21 days, no food. I grew up in the bush, as I said, and I fasted naturally as a child. And I found, found it very interesting that um, we're forced to have this three meal a day. And what what's the consequences of having three meals a day, even when you're not hungry? So anyway, the the is it um, to let the food pass through your digestive tract? Is it 24 hours, 36 hours, or 54 hours? What time period do you think it takes to for one meal to pass through your whole digestive tract? There's eight meters, or six, sorry, six and a half meters of digestive tract that this one meal has to be moved through and then also change, change it to energy. Two thirds of the energy in food is in the digestive uh, process, one third in the actual um, energy it provides. So you probably all had a thought about it by now. It's 54 hours. <laughs> takes 54 hours for one meal to pass through your body and that's out of your body not just sitting in your body that's out of your body as well so for me what I look at if it's taken 54 hours for one meal to pass through your digestive system and out and be eliminated are you thinking because it's a very big thing to start thinking about is actually the effort your body goes to to remove the food and get the gain the energy from that meal and remove that food from your body now if it's taking that long to remove one meal and you're having three meals a day what would you think that would do to your body on a continual basis over a long period of time but that's short in your life because if you're feeding your body three meals a day and it takes 54 hours for your body to remove that one meal and having three meals in 12 hours. What's happening to your digestive system? Well, it's being overworked. And when something gets overworked, what happens to it? It's strained. What happens when it's strained doesn't work to its capacity. Now, all the organs associated with that overeating or the oversupply of nutrients cause uh, what it does is they, they are uh, affected by this oversupply. So they become sluggish. The digestive system becomes sluggish. You imagine doing a working, uh, doing push-ups for 24 hours a day, 24 hours a day, 
seven days a week. That's exactly what your digestive system's doing. It's actually working non-stop because it takes 54 hours for one meal to be removed. So that's from the Mayo Clinic. Again, it's a study, peer-reviewed study. And uh, we're looking at three meals a day. So enter fasting. Why is this fasting so important? And why is it eating when you're hungry even more important? Because if you've eaten a lot of food and you eat because it's a social event or something like that, you're causing distress to your digestive system and uh, affecting every organ in your body. So uh, over a period of time, continual uh, three meals a day, three meals a day, three meals a day, your digestive system becomes sluggish. Your liver's function becomes sluggish. Your hormones become sluggish. The cellular output becomes sluggish. Your ability to repair it becomes sluggish. You can't comprehend your your uh, ability to um, uh, gain new knowledge becomes sluggish. So it's an overall sluggishness that the whole body is affected. You can't you carry out simple tasks easier, but complex tasks involving other uh, regions of um, knowledge. Don't, you don't want to even think about it. So this is all to do with your body being overloaded with huge amounts of excess waste or food. Because it's really waste because you're not getting anything from it because it takes 54 hours for your body to remove one meal. So enter hybridization. Now hybridization is something that people have kind of heard about but not really heard about. Now if you look at uh, primal foods or indigenous foods they have up to with the CSIRO study of Australia they've studied native foods they have up to 100 times more nutrients in them than uh, hybrid foods what hybrid foods are is a modification of the original stock uh, for production of these foods so they they modify a food and they want to get the production up of this food so they modify the food for production not nutrition production so what happens over a period of time these foods that are hybrid are introduced all around the world to every single country in the world and everybody starts to eat these hybrid foods. And over a period of time, the bio of your digestive system becomes sluggish and the, the digestive aspect, which is the, you've got a, basically a war in your gut going on, which is between fungus and bacteria to keep the balanced and digestive process going. What happens over a period of time? that becomes uh, out of balance. Now, over a selected period, your body becomes slightly bloated and you get digestive swelling or what's called bloating. So uh, when you eat these hybrid foods based around production, not nutritional value, you eat more of them because they have high carbohydrate content and high starch content, which just causes addiction. Now, if you look at uh, carbohydrates, they're, um, they're addictive foods because they've got high sugar content and they make you crave them more. Now, if you look at tribal cultures and their aspect and how they're functioning now, which is, you can look up, say, the Himba tribe of Africa, uh, which are livestock farmers, they uh, eat uh, the whole animal, nose to tail, goats, sheep, uh, the wealth based around um, cattle. And they live outside in the sun and they don't have any um, tooth decay, they don't have any uh, uh, diseases at all. 
And that's basically what you'll find with most tribal cultures living now. There's a hundred, like I've mentioned in previous um, podcasts, there's a hundred tribes living as they've always lived. None of them have any diseases at all. And, you know, most of them don't have any tooth decay. So you'll find the ones that have come in contact with um, civilization, the more they have, uh, the more tooth decay they have. But you'll find with most of these diets of the lifestyles of these people, they implement animal foods and organ meats uh, as part of their um, diet. Like, like they say, the, um, the Sudanese, which I talk to a lot about this, have a thing called umfitit, which is um, uh, basically just liver, sheep's lungs, and stomach, and it's raw. And they mix peanut butter in with it, onion, and, and a little bit of a touch of seasoning. But this is eaten raw, and uh, they make sure that uh, every person gets this. It's a kind of normal, everyday diet. What's the benefits of these organ meats is that they have extremely high nutrient value, and the the animals they eat over there are virtually non-hybridized. They're you know they're very very primal goats, cattle, and sheep because they got us five outside in the in the African wilderness. Now, when you eat that type of food all the time you develop affinity to nutritional content. You don't eat a lot because you haven't got the ability to eat a lot. You don't eat at time periods, you only eat once a day. And what happens over a period of time is that your body is used to eating small meals and nutrient-dense meals at availability, not at time periods. So when you have that done, or you get organized and you do that over a great period of time, what happens is your body uh, develops extremely potent <laughs> digestive, uh, uh, extremely potent digestive system. So, if you look at um, uh, a, a actual study of a guy who went to live in um, <laughs> with the Himba, and he was um, what a this is actually you can look it up. It's on CNN. What a hunter-gatherer diet does to the body in just three days. This guy went and lived with the Himba in 2017 for three days. And they had no um, refrigerators, nothing. Everything was basically around them. And they he had his digestive bacteria, or his um, biome, microbiome tested before he started and tested when he finished after just three days. So this guy goes to Tanzania, he, he lives with the Hadza tribe, and they eat animals, um, all sorts of animals, uh, porcupines, uh, birds, birds' eggs, um, they eat these uh, bunya, bio, 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 baobab trees, and the nuts, and they make paste out of it, that's fermented, and all the traditional foods of their land, and they ate this. After three days on this diet, uh, he lived and drank and did exactly what they did, uh, after three days in his diet, he had a 20% increase in his digestive or microbiome, the, including an, a totally new micro, microbe, uh, phylum synergistes, which was a, a, new, a new microbe that was introduced into his gut. Now, you can imagine if you ate this type of food, which we have here in Australia, which every country have access to these native foods, and native um, ways of eating in 20% in three days. In three months, imagine the difference in his digestive system. 
And after only three days on traditional uh, Western food, the gut microbes had virtually returned to where they were before the trip. So in three days, he got a 20% increase in his uh, microbes, in his gut, which is a new species, which is a great thing to have. And in three days, back in Western civilization, he'd lost it all. So the whole premise of it is, is that we are talking about introducing traditional foods which are available which is um, from uh, Outback Pride you can get it in Australia you can start organising this we'll be selling it on the website uh, we'll be introducing a new platform which is going to be called Merio which is a, 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 a new year which is going to be an amazing platform you're going to, not going to believe what we're going to, do, we're going to do with that or we're doing with that and what we can all do is start looking at hey what is it that my food selection is doing to my gut and that's where you look at the hybridization issue. How do I get better quality food, which is closer to the land that I live in, uh, and increase my micro microbial content of my gut, which everybody has a problem with at the moment. Everybody's got gut problems. So this is uh, a study that's done. Um, he's... It was legitimized, it's all peer-reviewed. In three days on a traditional diet, his microbiome in his gut increased 20%. Now, you're probably all thinking, what's that? What's so important about that? Well, the fact of the matter is, if you get an increase in, of 20% of a new uh, microbe, microbe growing in your gut, that means your digestive system is developing and creating better absorption of nutrients. It's your gut is working 20% better in three days. So if you look at the pictures of all these people, uh, especially where he was with the um, with the tribe uh, which he stayed with, which was the Hadza, uh, they are all lean. There's no big people. There's no giant people. They're all lean, tall people, or lean, small people, smaller people. They're all adaptogenic or adapted to their environment. Now, what we have in Australia or in the West is a whole bunch of people who are large, bloated people who haven't got the ability to move in the jungle and um, find foods of the land. Now, that's to do with the food, which is called hybridization or hybridized food. And originally, uh, carrots, for example, weren't animal, uh, human food. They were cattle food because cattle could digest them. You might notice with carrots, they go in orange, they come out orange, they're undigestible. Um, so... When you're eating foods, I really look at having the saturated fats with them, as these all these tra traditional cultures have proven over and over again that every single culture on the on the planet at the moment, in a traditional setting, eats animal foods, and that's in the bush, not in cities, in the bush. So again, that's the same old premise. If you're going to look at uh, real culture, it's not a city culture; it's a tribal culture, living in the bush, uh, surviving in the bush, and um, succeeding in the bush generationally with perfect teeth and perfect um, uh, no disease. So when you look at uh, um, the, the uh, eating when you're hungry aspect, these people eat, have to work for their food. They have to get the food. So our food is all hybridized. It's of low nutritional content and it's high carbohydrate and it's low microbiome or microbial aspect. It has low microbial aspect. So what you need to do is look at getting the foods into your diet that have high microbial input and what are they 
Well, what do these people eat? Animal foods, organ meats, fat. Fat creates cholesterol, like uh, I said in the last um, podcast. You need to put fat into your diet. Cut the carbohydrates down and eat the foods that give you nutritional density and add to your microbiome or your digestive process. So that's where we look at time period eating. Time period eating is based around uh, eating not when you're hungry, uh, but at a time period and it takes 54 hours for you to remove that food from your digestive tract and eliminate it. Now the most important aspect of that fact is do you eliminate all the food regularly? And what happens if it's sitting in the digestive tract for days and days and days on end? Well, it's going to putrefy, it's going to cause bloating, it's going to cause digestive issues. And again, if you cut yourself on the arm and it's, it bleeds, it, you don't tend to it, it becomes swollen, you get infections, it becomes red, and your arm, uh, it's uncomfortable to use, move your arm. Now, that's an external injury. Now, if you look at people who are bloated, they find it hard to move, they're uncomfortable, they suffer pain on a regular basis. That's an internal injury. So if your whole digestive system is inflamed and you're bloated, that means you have an internal ongoing issue or an injury. So we have to really look at bloating and digestive uh, process or obvious digestive um, stress as an internal injury, which I've been saying now for 20 odd years. Every single person that's bloated has an internal injury that's not being remediated, it's not been fixed because they don't know what to eat. Now, this is where time period eating is essential for understanding how to reduce this aspect or reduce your, reduce your injury and increase your um, microbiome or the, the digestive uh, capabilities. So what happens with this or how to remediate that is by looking at um, temperature-based eating. See, I've always done this. I've done this for a long time. I've done three-week fast, 21 days, no food, and I found incredible benefits from it. I found sunlight to be not my enemy once I was having the minerals, the tonics, um, the fermented um, water that I drank while I was doing this. And I found when I went out and sunbaked, I didn't uh, find the sun hot. That was after two weeks, no food. Uh, my body weight went down. I kept very lean. People thought I should have been model. Suddenly, <laughs> but it wasn't. I wasn't not working. I was still doing what I do, and for 14 hours, 15 hours a day, seven days a week, so I could function, but not eat. And I was surrounded by food. That's when I had the cafes and everything, and I was, you know, preparing a lot of food each day. So I was still not eating, but I was surrounded by food. After about three days of fasting. Uh, you actually um, don't think about food. It's not something of an issue. You don't just just switch off and you just drink water if you're thirsty. Your in input of water goes dramatically down. You're not even thirsty virtually at all. Um, you sweat. You know, well, I'm not a big sweater, but um, I, you virtually never sweat anymore, uh, and which is another thing that's very interesting. But with the temperature-based eating uh, in summer, you notice you don't feel like eating a lot and that's very uh, conducive to understanding how your body works. If you don't feel like eating, don't eat. And that's when you start training yourself to eat when you're hungry. Summer's a great time to start fasting 
and to reducing your food intake down by having smaller plates uh, in, uh, at the beginning of um, uh, summer and, um, and then looking at it from a perspective of going, okay, what do we need to do? Uh, we need to reduce the plate size down uh, and also look at um, um, the way you are having time period med- uh, meals, which are pretty bad. Uh, I'd look at just eating when you're hungry uh, and then looking at um, eating for the outside temperature, not inside temperature. Now, in conclusion, this is uh, the autophagy, which was discovered in 2016. They found every three days, if you uh, don't eat for three days, your whole body is rejuvenated from a pure source. It becomes clean and it's um, completely rejuvenated. Now, isn't that interesting that three days not eating is almost exactly the same as 54 hours of eliminating all the food from your body. So uh, I talked to the Sudanese about this and I've talked to them personally and uh, I asked him how many meals they ate every day in the Sudan and he said, I don't eat every day, I eat every three days. I go back to Sudan and my diseases go. My asthma goes, my wife's diabetes goes and all my disease is gone. Everything goes in three months, all my disease is gone, eating my traditional food. I said, so you don't eat every three days? You don't eat every day? He said, no, I don't eat every day. Everybody here is bloated. I walk around the city here and all I see are big people with bloated stomachs. I don't understand. You got hospitals here? We don't have hospitals. We don't have diseases. We don't want diseases. You have children hospital here. Why do you think it's normal to be sick? Why do you think it's normal to be sick? I don't understand that. I go back to Sudan, I eat my traditional food, and my diseases go. So I was really, really uh, impressed with the fact that these people were exactly the same as autophagy, which I was calling originally, autophagy, and uh, they automatically had it systemized into their diet. And the Nobel Prize for Medicine, uh, which is really interesting, uh, they, in 2016, uh, get <laughs> a Nobel Prize for Medicine for um, uh, understanding uh, that exactly what the Sudanese have always done. So um, I look at everything you're doing as less. So look up the Nobel Prize for Medicine 2016, your Neuro. Yoshinira Oshumi Osumi won the Nobel Prize for Medicine in 2016, and autophagy, which he got, um, and it's basically exactly the same as the tribal cultures of the world. So, uh, in conclusion, this is a very simple thing we need to look at: eating when you're hungry, having smaller plates, start looking at fasting as much as you can. Uh, I've done three weeks, 21 days, no food. Uh, I eat regularly fast. Um, eating to the temperature. So in winter, you have uh, eat to the outside temperature. So don't eat at cafe temperature or inside temperature. Eat to the outside temperature. Don't have a salad because it's 24 degrees inside uh, and um, uh, 4 degrees or 5 degrees outside because you've turned up the heating. And the same thing in summer. Don't have a big stodgy meal in uh, summer because you're in a 22 degree ta- cafe and outside is 35 eat to the outside temperature. Have light meals in summer, like the fish broths, and keep the fat intake up, but don't have heavy fats. And don't eat huge hunks of meat as well um, in summer. 
it's terrible. You, you, your liver is a needs fat to make um, cholesterol oh, and red and white blood cells and all these type of things. But you don't need to eat anywhere near as much fat in something because your body's trying to cool down and liver's trying to cool your body down as well. So it's really simple, this whole thing. Look up autophagy, autophagy, and um, uh, Nobel Prize for Medicine, and look up how long it takes to digest one meal, which is 54 hours. The tribal cultures of this world are a lot wiser than we give them credit for, and we'll be covering a lot more of this in future episodes. Thanks very much for listening. Um, yeah, have a great night and a great day, great afternoon, and have a strong beginning, not a weekend. See ya.